0: In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's
1: and Argo's podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argo's Bi-Week podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name's Ben Grant, joined once again by JB. We got a huge week for you this week. In spite of it being a bi-week, we got to talk about Curly Gittens Jr. and his Player of the Week nomination. We want to talk about... An article that John Hodge wrote this week for Three Down Nation, which I think is really interesting, and it's regarding the injury situation of all the teams in the CFL. We'll get into that a little bit. We've got report cards for you as we get into the stretch run. Each positional group to this point in the season, how are they performing and why do we think that? Plus, the -the down-the-stretch predictions with six games remaining. How will this season end for the Toronto Argonauts? We've got a pretty good feel for the team. We'll tell you what we think. Plus, our world-famous fantasy advice after logging yet another win, another lucky win. And our picks, which are hit and miss at the best of times. All that and more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. J.B. Curligans Jr., Player of the Week nomination this past week, not at all surprising. His totals, eight catches, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Absolutely deserved. But what I kind of, I've I've been under, I guess, a a false impression about Curly Gittins Jr. Because I felt like he's been pretty quiet this year. And I felt like last year he had this huge breakout season before looking into the stats, I expected to find that his numbers were actually better last year. I, I don't know why I thought that, because when I, when I kind of go through game by game, it, it doesn't really make sense. But we are 12 games into the year, and last year he played 12 games. And so we've got stats to compare this year to last year. Are you surprised that this year's stats are actually way better than last year's?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. If surprised is the right word. I, I thought that he started the season really strongly and then kind of disappeared for a couple of games. Um, yeah, I, I felt like this year had been a big step forward for him. You know, I thought he was good last year for sure, but I thought he kind of flashed more than, than this year, where really for a bunch of games early, he was their best receiver. So I guess... No, is my answer, but I don't I don't know if necessarily I, I thought about it
1: that deeply. <laughs> uh, the only stat in which he was better last year is touchdowns through 12 games uh, in both seasons. He had four touchdowns last year, three touchdowns this year, but every other stat favors him this season. So in terms of catches, he's got 57 this year. He had 50 last year through 12. He has 759 yards this year compared to 605. That's a that's a pretty big difference. Yards after the catch, almost 100 more, actually more than 100 more this year, 327 to 226. And his yards per catch is higher this year too. That one really surprised me, 13.3 this year compared to 12.1. And then when I saw that, I started thinking, like, is this, is this because of, maybe better quarterback play is that the difference is just that he's playing about the same level but McLeod Bethel Thompson is having a better season and is more able to find him and that is very true you look at McLeod's numbers comparing them last year to this year he's having a far better year now he only played 10 games last year and those weren't full games he came in relief a couple times and was pulled once as well but yeah the numbers really aren't that close uh, in, in terms of uh, per game averages, he's doing far better this season in completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, and fewer interceptions. So um, maybe that has something to do with it. Just McLeod's elevated play has has kept Curley's numbers strong, and in fact, even stronger. But it's also the fact that they there hasn't really been a, a complementary receiver to Curley as with that kind of consistency. When you look at the Argos' receiving numbers this year. They're, they're nowhere close to the cast that we had last season, Curly against Jr. leading the Argos in receptions. And last year, while he had a lot of receptions, they were really more spread around, and he he wasn't the primary guy. So I, I think that's a big thing, you know, not having Eric Rogers, teams able to focus more on diverse Daniels, who's playing in a different position, and then everyone else has kind of been in and out of the lineup. You know, you had Cam Phillips in there, and he's gone. And then, you know, you you now bringing Coxie and Banks is in and out and all over the place. And, and and his numbers are really weird. Like He's not even catching half of the the targets that are thrown at him. So I think all in all, it makes sense that Curly's having the season he's having. I just, for some reason, it surprised me. Let's get into John Hodges' article on injury totals. I, I think one of the One of the things I've noticed about myself is that while I do watch every CFL game, I don't pay nearly as close attention to teams that aren't the Toronto Argonauts. And while I knew that the Argos have been extremely banged up this year, I didn't have at all a sense as to how that compared to the other teams. John Hodge wrote a fantastic piece. It would have taken a lot of time and a lot of work for him to put this together. But he he essentially went through games lost like man games lost through the course of the season and had it all ranked for you I'm not going to give it all out to you here because I think you should go read John Hodge's piece he's the one that put the work in not me Um, but I do want to tell you that the Argonauts have the most man games lost and I think that probably did surprise a lot of people around the league the Argos have lost 178 man games to this point which is 14.8 players down per game and no one else in the east is anywhere close to that Uh, Montreal with with more than more than a hundred fewer man games lost for example so yeah this is massive it's it's it makes it even that much more impressive that the Argos are sitting in first place in the east yeah it speaks to the depth of the
0: team and I think it speaks to how well put together the roster was in terms of guys who could step in and and play well, and I think it should be taken into account when people are really, you know, being tough on the Argonauts. That uh, while they're not setting the world on fire, the fact that they are first in the East, are seven and five, with the amount of significant injuries. I mean, this is not just a statistical numbers game. I mean, you are talking about major contributors, major parts of this team, uh, have been down for most of the season. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it is a uh, feather in the franchise's cap and, and the team should be recognized for, for not allowing injuries to be an excuse, which uh, they could be.
1: Almost half of the team's starters have been out for a significant time. And there are nine or ten of these starters that have been on the, the six-game injury list and a couple stints for some of these guys. So you've got uh, Rodgers, Harris, Richardson, just, just even those three alone. If you knew you had to play essentially the, the whole season, like most of the season, without, without Eric Rodgers, Andrew Harris, Shaq Richardson, that's, that's huge. And then you add into it the linemen, Cage, Tate, Nicastro. Fullback cross, then Jagira Davis, Robertson, Daniel, your long snapper Jake Reinhardt. As a Bengals fan, I don't have to tell you how valuable long snappers are. Uh, after after what the, happened to the Bengals last week, this is a, a huge number of guys down uh, for six games or more. It, it's it's a it's a massive achievement because you have to assume that. In a vacuum, if all teams suffer the exact same amount of injuries and man games lost to the same positions, ultimately the team that is in first is either more talented, better coached, or both. And when you think that Toronto is at a disadvantage compared to the rest of the East teams who have not lost anywhere near the number of man games, then that says either the Toronto Argonauts are more talented, better coached, or both. So I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway. So yeah, given all of this stuff, I, I think that for anyone that hasn't been impressed with the job that Coach Dimwitty has done, you think about all the injuries last season. Last season was record setting. They had to trade away their one of their two quarterbacks because they didn't have the salary cap room due to all the injuries that they sustained last season in a shortened season. And this year is even worse with with nine or ten starters injured for a significant time. And that's not even getting into the backups, the situations where Shaq Richardson goes down and then his backup, Robert Priester, is also put on the six-game injured list. And the third guy who comes in, a guy who couldn't even get on the field for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, is suddenly a star in Maurice Carnell the fourth. Maybe star's a bit strong, but he's playing really well. He, he had a pick. He's had a couple of near picks. He's He's been a, a strength for the Argos defense. And that... that Shows how well they've been coached and how well the scouting department has done their job in building depth for this team.
0: There, there, there is the potential for an absolute injection of top-level talent onto this roster heading into the playoffs. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that that potential is something that um, you know that excites me and should uh, make the league concerned because this team adding four quality starters is going to be ready for a playoff run. (laughs) We just need Mwamba back.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the other concern. We don't know the status of Enoch Mwamba. We don't know the status of John Allen or Shane Ray. There were, uh, I guess, three or four big potential injuries in that Ottawa game. And because they're on a bye, there's no injury reports. Everyone's sort of off, and they're on their own. They've gone in their own directions, really taking advantage of this bye week. So we'll get a sense uh, come Tuesday what the state of things are. So uh, who knows? Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully, this is something that that bye week was perfectly timed. These guys needed the rest. We know, like Dejon Allen has been, his knee has been bad for a while now, and I think this is probably related to that. He's one of the toughest Argos on the team. I'd put him right up there right after McLeod Bethel-Thompson because he he's, he's found a way to get on the field when I didn't think there was any way he possibly would. Remember, his, the, the first time his, his knee was injured, I thought he was going to be on the sixth game, and he was starting the next week. So you never know with him. He will find a way to play, I think. And Enoch Mwamba, maybe with this extra week rest, we don't know exactly the nature of the injury. It looked like back to me, just the way he was uh, seemed to be favoring it. But you see the post-game videos that they put out, he's there in the background, seemingly in good spirits. That doesn't really mean anything. Um, you know, that's not. This is sitting on a, a cooler isn't the same thing as, as uh, suiting up to play middle linebacker in the CFL. So who knows, but I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about that one. And then we'll have to see with Shane Ray. That's the one I'm most nervous about because the way he got hurt when there just really wasn't too much contact on that play, that always makes you think the worst. Let's get into our report card, J.B. This is a, this is a segment that I, I'm going to get you to lead because you are the report card guy. You publish the, <laughs> the post-game uh, impulsive reaction report cards after, after every game. And we like to do season summary reports for each positional group. Uh, I'm curious to see where your grades are and if they're at all uh, in line with mine. Uh, but why don't, you, why don't you lead it off and, and walk us through uh, the first positional group, and I'll tell you what I've got after that.
0: <laughs> um, okay, sure. Um, I've, I've looked through my files and collated my information and come up with these not uh, impulsive but well-thought-out reasoned grades. Uh, my first one will be quarterback, and I'm going to give McLeod a B-plus as quarterback.
1: Uh, I think yeah, that's a pretty similar grade to me. I've got an A-minus there. What's your B-plus Yeah, I mean, on?
0: I think that he, you know, he's had a couple of tough games, which is, you know, understandable and happens. He's had some very good games. I think it kind of averages out to a B-plus. Um, the The Argos as a team's offense is kind of middle of the league. McLeod himself is doing very well statistically. Uh, his, he still is up for a bad interception or two a game. Um, but I've, you know, it's, it's well on the record that I uh, feel that he he has done really well. And this is a team that has four rushing touchdowns. Not, not four last game, uh, four for the season. So if McLeod was not putting the ball in the end zone, uh, this would be pretty dire. And uh, he... He's the reason they are seven and five. So um it's probably a harsher grade, but quarterbacks get the toughest grade. That's that's the position where you get all the glory. So I mark that I mark that a little bit harder than I do other positions.
1: For McLeod Bethel Thompson, I had him a couple of weeks ago in my mind at an A, and I've come down to the A minus. What what's sort of funny is that we when we were hearing all of the buzz about Bench McCloud, Bethel Thompson, get Chad Kelly in there. I thought McLeod was actually playing his best football. The funny thing is, I don't actually think he's played as well these last three weeks. They're on a three-game win streak. In these last three games, he's been, he's been fine. But I don't think he was playing as well in the last three games as he was in the first nine. His stats have certainly come down. His completion percentage has come down recently. His touchdown-to-interception ratio has started to, to move a little bit, uh, and his his yards per game have they've been sort of up and down actually the last few weeks but he's yeah he's not playing as well to me to my eye over the last three weeks and yet nobody's saying anything now because they're on a three-game winning streak and that just sort of goes to show how results can really impact a perception of players on the team because now everyone seems fairly content with McLeod Bethel Thompson Um, and yet if you were going to find any time in the year to criticize him, which you shouldn't because he's had a great season but it would be these last three games (laughs) And I think B plus
0: for a quarterback is a fantastic grade. You yeah, know, really. I know you gave an A minus as you are prone to to be a little softer. Um, but uh, you know, B plus to me is a fantastic grade for a quarterback. Uh, and that that's a position that I grade really tough. And and it, it just to me suggests that he has been everything you would want from a quarterback. You know, is he perfect? No. Um, you know, only a fool would give an imperfect quarterback an A. But uh, I think we're ready for the next category.
1: <laughs> one last thing. The reason I've got an A-, the reason he has to be in the A category for me is one specific stat. Inside the 25-yard line, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is 10 touchdowns, no interceptions. That. Is fantastic quarterback play in the most important area of the field, and where the Argos have really struggled, where they've had no run game to speak of. McLeod Bethel Thompson, ten touchdowns, no interceptions. That is why he's got an A minus and not a B plus. Where are you going for running back? Um, oh, I'm going to lead off each one. Okay, um, my
0: uh, my running back grade is. As I say in the report card every week, which you, I'm sure you know as you read it, um, running back is a really difficult position to evaluate because it's so dependent upon the offensive line that uh, that it, it's tough to, to ding the running backs. But I would have to give the running back position a C um, so far. I think it has not been... A strength of the team, you know, statistically, it's is it, you know statistically our neighbors are Edmonton and Os- and Ottawa in almost every uh, category. Um, so it it has not been good. Is it all the running backs fault? No, but uh, running back has not been a strength of the of the team this season.
1: And I'm going to go further than that with making excuses for the running backs. I think I think they're, they're absolutely justified in receiving a decent grade because the running backs, I don't think, have missed opportunities. The faults that they've had really aren't their own. It's been the offensive line. This offensive line has not been terrible in terms of pass protection. It hasn't been great either, but they haven't been terrible. The right side especially has been pretty strong in pass protection, but there has been very little to no run blocking. And I also haven't been a fan of the play designs for the most part until last week, the play designs with with some of those running plays. I just felt like they were running into a brick wall every time they got the ball. There was never really a game where I thought, man, the running backs just aren't, aren't finding the gaps. They're not finding the holes. They're not exploding through. I've never thought that. The running back gets the ball and is almost immediately hit by somebody. And I don't know, I don't feel like you can hold that against them. Like if you had, if you had, I don't know, the say the the best running back in the in the CFL, I guess Kadeem Carey, I would say, is the best running back in the CFL. If he's running behind a, an offensive line of, of high school players in the CFL, then he's not going to get more than like 10 yards a game. Do you give him a, a C, a D, a, a, an F <laughs> for his effort? Um, well, maybe.
0: Uh, and well, I'm not saying I, that the Argos line I, is I a high agree. school line, but come on. The line has had a hard time opening gaps. Um, Some teams have huge lanes to run through. But just statistically, I mean, for me, we're way beyond just offensive line woes. Um, You know, the, the numbers are shockingly, are just shockingly bad in terms of total rushing yards and the average, the rushing touchdowns. Uh, I, I just can't put that all on the offensive line. I, I agree it should it would dial it down um, but being last in yards gained, being last in rushing touchdowns um, being last in rushing yards, I, I can't put that all at the feet of the offensive line. so that's that's where my grade comes from.
1: Well, I'm going with a B for the running backs because <laughs> I, I feel like you can. I feel like the, I th- I think you do have to put this on the offensive line. And where the running backs have been great, the stuff that they can control. The running backs have been great receivers out of the backfield. Especially now that we're down to the, the backup running back, A.J. Willett playing, uh, you know, all the, or most of the snaps. He's been sensational out of the backfield as a receiver. The rushing yards haven't opened up any more than they had once once Ottawa sort of figured out how to play the Argos and, and just jam the box and shut everything down. But Olette has been an excellent receiver since that point. Harris was a good receiver before that. So that's part of it. And they've been great in pass protection. Olette's blitz pickup has saved Bethel Thompson on a few occasions. And a number of those red zone touchdowns have to uh, be, at least in part, uh, go to uh, Olet's uh, pass protection and picking up blitzes uh, down in the red zone. So that's why they get a B for me.
0: Yeah, uh, look, I, I love your, um, you know, your freedom of quantifiable facts. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that you're, it's more the eye test. And, you know, I think that's uh, it's a very kind of holistic and progressive way to view football.
1: The way you're viewing this and this report card grading is like, you know, like, hey, here's a here's a brick of cheese. Make me a taco. Um, I'm more like, here are the
0: ingredients to make up cheese. And you're, I enjoy art.
1: I don't even know what that means. No. All right. Where do you want to go next?
0: Uh, where do we want to go next? <laughs> well, I am I am very curious about where you have the offensive line having just indicted them to the Hague. But um, I'm I'm going to go wide receiver next. I think that you know again, obviously very connected to quarterback. Tough to to separate the two. I don't think the wide receivers are are you know so good that they are they are that much better than the quarterback. But I am going to give them my highest grade, um, or at least tied for my highest grade. I'm going to give the wide receivers an A minus. That and And, make any and sense. <laughs> while there have been um while there have been you know games where they had some drops, I will grant you that and have pointed that out um on the whole, my mark is for the depth of the room and the 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 different weapons that are there and how many ways the Argos have, even cFL fantasy can't figure out how to cost them because every week is like spin a wheel and this guy's gonna catch a touchdown at 110 yards i think that the depth of the room the fact that they are not just beholden to one receiver who is catching it all that that to me earns the unit um a higher grade than than the b plus that i was thinking of just because no other team in my opinion has as many good receivers as Toronto has, who are all playing really well.
1: I'm going to go with a B for the receivers. I haven't been as impressed with them as you have. I, I am impressed with them, I guess, just in, in how deep the room is, like you're saying. They've had 16 different players catch passes from McLeod Bethel-Thompson. That is, that's pretty impressive. I, I don't know if that's leading the league. It wouldn't be hard to find that out. A... Uh, you would think someone that ran a website and podcast show would have access to that kind of information? Um, but I haven't uh, gone to the CFO website to check that out. But 16 different receivers to 16 different receivers catching passes is wonderful, and I think they've been amazing. I wish I had seen somebody else really step up and be a star. We haven't really seen anyone be a star. Curly Gittins Jr. is the closest thing that the Argos have to a star receiver this season in terms of the numbers. And we just haven't really seen that from anyone else. And even Curly Gittins Jr., as much as he's he's been the best receiver on Toronto, but you look around the CFL, his numbers aren't anywhere close to, like, you know, Lucky Whitehead or Kenny Lawler or or Rhymes or, or Acklin, for example, uh, Eugene Lewis in Montreal, uh, Malik Henry probably. Uh, is, is ahead of him, I would think, in, in most categories, certainly in, in touchdowns. So, you know, I, I don't, that's why I don't feel like I can give the room anything higher than a B. But it's thinking about how many games lost, going back to our earlier conversation, this receiver room has suffered uh that is i think why they get the b they've they've just keep bringing in guys like Demonte coxie who suddenly is able to produce cam phillips we didn't even know if he was going to be part of the team this year and he, he was he was terrific he came in he was wonderful but then he goes down and Demonte coxie steps up and he's just as good so yeah b i think that's well deserved but yeah, i think other higher. teams like you know you
0: might look at edmonton and you're like okay how do they grade out? You're like, well, are you giving the grade to Kenny Lawler or are you giving the grade to the wide receivers? And to me of all the units, this is the one that really, I think um, the, the sum of, of the, of the parts are, are greater than the individual.
1: Let's move on to offensive line. What are you thinking for the O-line? I'm very <laughs> curious to hear this. Um, yeah. While I did
0: lay, uh some blame at the running back as 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 one would, I think, in a reasonable way. Uh the Are you, offensive doing, your, line... are you doing your
1: podcast from the emergency room? <laughs> yeah. There's so I, many I, sirens. Um I have a sharp pain in my left
0: arm, but I am going to keep going.
1: Uh, all right the, sorry, the,
0: continue on. The guys seem okay with me finishing up. Yeah. Um <laughs> well it's life in Toronto. Um the offensive line, to me, I'm going to give a C. Um, I, I, I'm not going to just come down on them. Obviously, they've had lots of injuries and guys in and out. Um, you know, they have given up sacks. I've I've never felt that they ever prevented the team from winning a game in terms of pass protection. It, you know, while they did give up some sacks at big moments, it was not McLeod running for his life the whole game. Um so that's been a bit of an issue. Obviously, they have not made many lanes for their running backs to run um so i i they they do get my lowest grade um but you know, uh, I also take my hat off to them because of it's the unit that requires the most health and the most cohesion to be successful, and the fact that they've been able to. Keeper between the ditches, as we say out east, is pretty good.
1: Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I give them a C too, slightly different rationale. But the reason they're a C to me is they, in terms of run blocking, it's an F. In terms of pass blocking, it's it's probably a B. But I think overall you elevated a little bit to a C instead of a D because of the what they've had to endure. They, they weren't expecting to have to have Gregor McKellar be a starting guard this year. That wasn't, that wasn't the plan. And yet he's been a starting guard for almost the entire season. They weren't ideally expecting Justin Lawrence to be the center. That's supposed to be Nicastro, And yet Justin Lawrence has filled in admirably at center. And Philip Blake definitely wasn't planning on playing left tackle this year. It's amazing to me that he is still all these games later still playing left tackle which is the the third out of 3 uh positions he's best at on the offensive line and so uh, and he's he's been doing a pretty good job out there too Dejon Allen who played left tackle all last year's been playing right tackle he's been playing with one leg uh Bledek is is really the only guy who is playing where they thought he would play this year and he's been no surprise he's been the best offensive lineman on the Argos he's had a sensational season but he's the only offensive lineman who was really given a chance on Toronto because he's a starter and who is supposed to be a starter and is not playing out of position so I think you factor all that in you forgive a little bit of that poor run blocking and you upgrade that grade to a C switch over to the D where do you want to start with the defense um yeah we can start defensive line uh
0: (laughs) A unit that that really is sort of rollercoastery. y um, some games really good, other games kind of invisible in general, have been pretty good at keeping the run in check, um, pretty pretty good at tackling, uh, uh, have improved at keeping quarterbacks in the pocket. Um, I know sacks are the, you know, kind of the defining statistic in a lot of ways for defensive line. Uh, if they had a weakness, you know, it would be great if we could get a few more sacks at priority moments in the game. Um, I think Hendricks is coming along really well. Ray uh, is good for three fantastic rushes a game, so hopefully, he he's not too too hurt. And uh, Oakman, when he's on, is one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the CFL and he just is a guy who def- doesn't necessarily you know dominate every game but uh, definitely when he's on he's fantastic Chen champong you know look i i really like the defensive line i'm going to give them a b plus
1: yeah, I'm gonna go with a B for the defensive line. Much like you said, I, I think they I think they're what they're being asked is unreasonable. Uh, it's part of the overall game plan. But they most most of the game, they send three guys and they're like, all right, you three guys, you yeah. have to pressure the quarterback. Don't let the quarterback escape, and also stop the run game. And, and everyone and else largely have pass. been
0: successful at it.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. And so they're not getting sacks because they can't really afford to. You can't no. in a three-man rush. If you go for a sack and miss, now there's trouble. And so no, they're doing what they're supposed to. I, I feel like they've really
0: improved on not running past the quarterback where that was an issue before. Like, you know, they were getting eight, nine yards deep into the backfield and then running back towards the the quarterback, which is just no good at all. You know, so uh, yeah, I I think they've, they they're improving. I think they... They seem to have a feel for what's being asked of them right now. And they've been great. And most games, they've
1: been good. Yeah. yeah. They're, what's, what's being asked of them isn't exciting for a defensive lineman. This is not the job that the defensive lineman wants. They want to go after the quarterback. That's, that's what every defensive lineman wants to do, is be able to pin their ears back, go after the quarterback. They want blitzes on every play that are going to free them up and open gaps and provide one-on-ones like you you know how much do you know how much CN Power would love one-on-ones I don't know the last time he's he's seen a one-on-one and whenever it was I guarantee he ran right by that guy but yeah they would they would love to see some of that exciting stuff but and they're they're doing their job We're number 1 ranked in
0: opposition rush touchdowns Right so I right. think it just speaks to when when they have been very good this year at getting the ball back for the offense, so really, I would say three of the losses were on the offense um, singularly. So yeah, that's good. Linebackers or DBs? Oh, I'll let's go linebackers. Um, you, you know, they have so our our sort of three headed our three headed crew um, has been everything you would hope for. McManus we talked about, I think is at the, you know, you, the volume on the conversation keeps picking up. I think McManus is the favorite right now for defensive player in the East. I know, um, Ottawa, um, has, has, you know, their, their former jet who, who look, oh, Lorenzo Malden. Yeah. He, and he has some big plays, but, I I don't know if you can get defensive MVP for a team that's floating out on a nice flow out towards Baffin Island, so I think I think right now McManus is the guy. Uh, Moamba, you saw immediately in the Ottawa game the impact that you wouldn't notice until he's gone, and then suddenly there's a large hole in your boat, and uh, you know I'm no one is a bigger fan of Edwards than I am, so I'm. Uh, yeah, I think the linebackers have been everything you would hope for, and I'm glad Cam Judge is doing better at West, and I'm glad I don't have to watch him uh, ever again.
1: So, what's your grade?
0: <laughs> uh, I'm going to give the linebackers an A. Yeah, I'll you know, match that. A-, yeah. A for the linebackers. Yeah, I'm going to give them an A. You know, like I, I mean, I'm probably more biased defensively, but those three when they are on are the best in the league, and have never really been taken to town by anybody in terms of being exploited for the past or rushing all over them. I feel like they, they have, they have been the winner in, in every battle. The three of them have, have played since the three have been together. Um, I think they, I think they are the, the, the the cream of the league.
1: Yeah, I, I think McManus is the best Will linebacker in the CFL. I don't think there's anyone in the CFL better at that spot. I think Moamba. I, I don't think anyone is going to say he's the best in the CFL, but I think the best argument for saying he is in terms of, of Max, middle linebackers, is looking at what happened when he came out. And Kassar and Hoyt are formidable backups. They're going to be great CFL players for a long time. And it was night and day when Muamba left the game. It shows just how much he can take away he can take away the run, but not give anything up in the pass while he's doing that. And it takes a special middle linebacker to be able to do that. He does it to the point where Teams don't even try to run up the middle because they know he's there and that allows him to to play the pass. And so that doesn't show up as a highlight real play. That's not something you can go back, watch tape and say, wow, look at Muamba do this. It's more in the types of plays that get called. And so he's got to be considered as one of the best middle linebackers in the league. He won't be because, again, you can't watch the film and necessarily see it. But you look at the play calling and that's where you see it. Opposing teams do not want to run up the middle because they know they can't.
0: And that red zone touchdown stat and the two point conversion uh, stat both speak to how great those those linebackers are. When, When the field gets shrunk down and now you're fighting in a in a in a phone booth, you see that this is an absolute elite unit on this team. Defensive backs, your guys. Uh, yeah. You mean the uh, the Peters crew? Um, I am going to give defensive backs a uh, a minus.
1: A-. <laughs> Were you a-. looking at an A on your paper? No, I'm then... looking
0: at a B plus. Okay. Um, I'm giving them an A minus because they have absorbed the loss of Shack and Priester and and just carried on you know i think f- full credit to the coaching staff w- what they have achieved is you have a a crew of terrific um athletes who know exactly what they're doing on the field they're they're the speed at which they can play speaks to how well they know the system and whether they're running bend don't break or they're giving a, a different look to try and uh, you know, screw up Arbuckle. Uh, they have been tackling in space. They have been taking away the deep ball. They have been turning the ball over. Um, you know, it's just it, whoever they plug in is doing well. I I think it speaks to how smart the system is and how well it's being taught that you're able to roll people in and not have it go concave. And, uh, you know, it, it it has been great to watch them. I think they've... They've been a real force, and I think they have a gear that they haven't shown yet. You saw a little bit in that Ottawa game. Um, they they played bend but don't break, but they don't have to. That That's a, a strategic choice. I think they could also be a more aggressive ball hawking uh, man team if, if they wanted to show a different look.
1: I don't know if they could be a, a man team with consistency i actually though funny enough the guy i worry about most in man is is jamal peters who i think has been maybe their their best player all season in the defensive backfield he's such a good zone corner that i i just don't see why you would ever go away from that they're so good at playing now and and they remember how rough it was to start the year those first couple games those dbs were were really struggling and since Game 3, I guess, when they started really pulling it together, it was after the BC loss. When BC ripped them to pieces, they had so many miscommunications. There were blown coverages in that, that opener against Montreal as well. And since then, they've really figured it out. Not just, not just the players figuring it out, the coaches figuring out what they have in the players. Remember, it was turmoil to start the year because everything changed. They lost Treston Deku, they lost Jalen Collins, guys that... Well, at least we had been counting on to be starters. And then you throw Shaq Richardson in there and you now, there's three guys gone who I at the least had been planning on having start for, for the, the five, uh, true defensive backs, uh, spots. Now the Argos may have thought otherwise from the beginning, they may have known that McFadden was going to be the guy at corner and, and, uh, and that, um, they were going uh, halfbacks with with Richardson and, and Amos and, and Mechie at, at safety and Peters in the other corner spot, but yeah, we didn't know exactly how that was going to work out. And since game three, once they settled into this lineup, they really haven't missed a beat. And then Shaq goes down, Priester steps up, he's great. Priester goes down, Carnell steps up, he's great. And so I'm going to give the I'm going to give the defensive backs an A. I think they've done everything that was asked of them and more, and I think that they have won several games for the Argonauts when, on days when the offense wasn't going, the Argos found a way to keep opposing teams to field goals, if that. Yeah, and (laughs) where people may be,
0: I don't know, who knows, um, uh, questioning our, 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 what what seems might be like uh, a Homer like uh, view of things, but I, I think you look at the Argos who are your Eastern division leading team who have won seven games, who could easily add two wins to that total. Um, You know, they could easily have nine wins, Um, you know, both the Winnipeg game and that terrible first Ottawa game. So this is a very good team, Uh, you know, in, 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 I think in every, you, you know, you take away that BC game, which was a washout and they ran into a, a chainsaw that, you know, no one expected. Um, you know this this team deserves high grades, and I I, I think they probably are not getting the pub because I don't think the guys on CB on uh, TSN acknowledge that that this Argo team could easily have nine wins with like one or two um plays go differently. Like that's not just making that up. I think this is this is a team that could could be a dominating Eastern team.
1: Special teams play. How do you see this one? This was this was one of the toughest ones for me because I, I feel so differently about different parts of it. The return <laughs> game is so terrible, oh, and yet the coverage units are pretty good, except for one game where they were terrible, yeah. and yet BD has been decent, and the punting game has been terrific. And yeah. so, uh, where do you where do you settle? Uh, I'm going to give them
0: a B plus. Um, I went back and forth on it. Beedy has been good. Not great, but good. You know, he he's got good distance. He isn't he isn't his percentage is not through the roof, but he's hit some long ones. He's hit some important ones in games where they were kind of drowning a little and needed some points on the drive to keep the team believing. And he's made those kicks. He's made he's missed some, but I don't think well, except for the you know, the 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 Winnipeg game. Um I thought he's been consistent i i have full confidence in him i'm not i'm not worried about him at all punting's been good not great i Haggerty has great in him but he's been good it certainly has not been a waste of a position that he he's been able to punt uh coverage is very good i think that having cassar and Haggerty out there is a weapon for
1: out of a boy too yeah
0: yes exactly to keep them in check I think, I really think that that has been huge. And, um, and the fact that the Argos, um, you know, petitioned the league to get rid of returning, I think is a brave step in player safety. Yeah. I, I believe the, I believe the average one game was 0. 0.2.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They've, they've, they've essentially taken that out of the Argos game. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, look, it's, it's a, it, it could be, uh, it could be an article. Right. What, if, what if a team just didn't return, the team that wouldn't
1: return? I'm going to give special teams a B, basically all the same reasons you said. They're really good at some things, they're really bad at some things, but they're really good at more things than they are really bad at. And I think that settles down for a B. I actually think Haggerty's punting has has been great. I would put it in the great category. I've loved watching him kick this year. And I, I know... He he missed early on in the season. He missed pinning teams uh, a couple of times, but I think since then he's been good. And and man, how nice has it been to get those monster punts every so yeah, often. he, he lead, that they lead the league flip. 48 yards. Yeah. That, like what, what an average 48 yard punting average. That's, that's phenomenally good. So yeah, I think that's, a, that's a solid B. All right. Coaching staff. Coaching staff for me
0: has been a uh, B plus. Um, uh, on the holistic sense I I give credit to the coaching staff for keeping this team on the track with the injuries, with the ups and downs, with the blowouts um, you know, with some combustible combustible personalities on that sideline, this is not a team for the faint of heart to coach um, this is a team that easily could have gone I think uh, a couple of different ways, I think the fact that This team has become cohesive. um, At the midway point suggests that the team believes in the coaches. Uh, I love the defensive game planning. I love the defensive back play. Um, Being able to bring in guys is a tribute to coaches, right? When you can play bench guys and you don't drop off, um, that's, that's a tribute to coaching. Offensively, I still will often feel like they're lost in the weeds, and they 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 have a hard time getting unstuck when things are not going well. But then when they dial it up, they're really something. I, I knock them a bit for that, but I, I think you have to give Dinwiddie and his staff credit for 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 you know keeping this team in it. Look at Hamilton. Hamilton, you know, went to the Great Cup last year, and you know this year uh, they're. Uh, they may not even play in november
1: they may not have played for the last 2 months
0: <laughs> yeah you know that people just take it for granted I, I guess that toronto's right back in the mix and just look around the league it is not easy to just get right back into the mix and be good after a good season and that that is good coaching you know i, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't say it's been perfect but it's been pretty damn good I, he's probably right there. I mean, I think he's probably after O'Shea, um, the, you know, has done the best job in my opinion.
1: Yeah. When you consider those man games loss that we started out with, you, you have to, you have to say that I, I give, I give the staff a B. I, I think just being able to hold this team together I, at all is a victory with all the injuries that they've suffered and all the challenges they have faced. And then, you look at the record and realize they're the first place in the East and are poised to go on a bit of a tear if they can get some guys back. Uh, I think the coaches have done a, a tremendous job keeping this group together and really correcting mistakes that have been made week to week, um, you know, not seeing them come up again and again and again. So I think that's I think that's a B for me, too. All right, JB, down the stretch they come, six games remaining. I just want to go through them quickly. We're not going to go game by game because, you know, that's, that will spoil the rest of our podcast for the rest of the year. But uh, just sort of as a whole, you've got uh, next week at Ottawa, then at Calgary, back-to-back road games. Then they host the BC Lions, and then they're back out west to Edmonton. And then it's uh, at Montreal and then hosting Montreal to end the season. So those are your final six games. Right now, the Argos stand at 7-5. and five. Where do they finish at the end of this one? As I hear you have returned to the emergency room.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm currently on, on the road to St. Michael's. Um, I'll try and be as quick as I can here.
1: Now, if just in case, I don't know if it's coming through just really well in my headset. If you can't hear, there have been sirens going by <laughs> JB's place for the last half hour. Well, so. they are they are
0: they are very loud here as well. Is um, your house on fire or I, something? Like honestly, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure what what, what is happening. All right. So, how did they finish? Well, I, I I believe my preseason was ten wins, and I'm gonna stick with that. I think I'm gonna stick with ten wins.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be one more than that. When I look at the schedule, I don't know exactly how it's going to fall, but I just don't think there's a lot of good teams in the CFL right now. And the, the teams that were good aren't anymore, like the BC Lions. I think the Argos have a chance to close out these last six at four and two. So I think this is. I think we're looking at an eleven and seven finish for the Toronto Argonauts. Anything less than 10, though, I would be pretty stunned by. I think if the Argos finished this last stretch two and four, that would surprise me and it would concern me. And anything other than like a major injury, like a McLeod Bethel Thompson injury or something like that, I think that would be the only thing that would leave the Argonauts going two and four down the stretch. So yeah, I expect 10 or 11 wins. I think that's exactly where the boatmen are going to finish. And I think that's going to be good enough for first place. All right, JB, it's time for our world-famous fantasy advice. We hung on for dear life again last week with with 80 points I think we finished with. We've got we got winners for you this week. Tough week with only 3 games on the go. We went with Vernon Adams at quarterback. It was just too yeah. good value. I don't I don't like it any more than you do, but the thing is it's $7,062. It's so much less than the other quarterbacks, like you, if you want Caleros, you're you're paying three thousand over three thousand dollars more, and it makes such a difference. We tried every other way to make it work, and the values in Vernon Adams, and it's not like it's yeah. not like you're you're giving it to you know one of the Hamilton back quarterbacks. Vernon Adams is a starter in this league, and he's got a ton of weapons in BC. Another, I know, don't think they're quite ready l- yet. A little more but, time, a little more time. Yeah, I agree. I think a little more time yeah. learning it. It's, it's, oh, I, it's not ideal, but I just it's think value-wise... Yeah,
0: it's not a bad risk.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. He could, like, it's possible for him to go off. It's also possible for him to be terrible, but that's what you get at $7,000. For running backs, we're going super value. Frankie Hickson has been the way to go since uh, the injury to tomorrow. So $4,800, his price has come up a bit, but that's still great value. Playing against Edmonton, who are not terrific defending the run, so that's an easy one. And then Kevin Brown, uh, Edmonton may have found something in him. I quite like Kevin Brown as a running back for $4,000. Again, I think that's just, I think that's a good play. Uh, the receivers, this is where we splurged a bit. One is a bit risky and I just don't know where else to go with, with only six teams to look at here. We've got Reggie Bagleton who had a huge week last week. I don't typically like to go with players who were coming off a huge week, but I think his price at 8262 is good value for him. And then we've got Brian Burnham with basically the same price, 8243 Burnham is a bigger risk to me because we just don't know how he and Vernon Adams are, are going to play together yet. But I like that. I like that receiving pairing. And then for our flex, uh, we're going with Braden Lennius, who hasn't really exploded yet, uh, like we expect him to. But this is now going to be his third game since returning. And I expect his numbers to be decent. He's only 3335 I would expect that uh, to be well worth uh, Linnaeus. And then for defense, we're going with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Hamilton Tiger Cats that has winner written all over it. Hopefully you have uh, as good uh, luck as we have had these last few weeks as we've been on a tremendous winning streak. Uh, hopefully you can do that in whatever leagues you're playing or just if you're you know playing against everyone in the in the CFL pool uh, that your picks go well this week. JB, it is time for our CFL picks. Uh, Just to do a standings update, I am now at 37 and 18. Mm -hmm. And you are also in the green at 30 and 25. All Um, right. Let's walk through this one. I'm taking some risks this week. This is your opportunity to get back into it. I am taking two huge chances this week, just to let you know. So, Edmonton at Saskatchewan. I'm not willing to take a chance on Edmonton. No. Saskatchewan was embarrassed last oh week. Oh my I know god, Edmonton. Saskatchewan's been sick though, right? They're battling their second something outbreak of the year. This one a flu apparently that had all sorts of just talking talking to some talking to some people that, that covered the team and are around the team. It was not a pretty sight in Winnipeg last week with players being unable to hold fluids down of, in any capacity. And uh, yeah, just just a, a bad scene all around. So hopefully they've recovered from that. I'm picking Saskatchewan. Yeah, they they have to win that game. Yeah, they can't they can't give away an Edmonton game
0: um, in terms of fighting for their for their playoff life. I I think they <laughs> yeah and Edmonton who who I don't know what possessed me the spirit of Edmonton to think that they might surprise Calgary um, that team. That team is I think very close to to calling it a calling it a day,
1: and nothing would please Saskatchewan more than officially eliminating from the playoffs Chris Jones, the former savior of the saskatchewan Rough riders um, they, yeah they're they're very much aware of the fact that uh, that this a win over Edmonton would officially eliminate them, not that it wouldn't happen eventually. They would like to be the ones to do it. So Saskatchewan wins this game.
0: Yeah, I agree. Saskatchewan wins.
1: Big, as they say. Big. Winnipeg at Hamilton. I am going with the Tiger Cats. Mm-hmm. And this is your opportunity to fall for the trap and pick the Winnipeg Blue Bombers if you if you wish. Uh, it, reasonably simple. Winnipeg has had so many big games uh, over the last little while. They had a huge explosion of offense last week against Saskatchewan. I think this is a big letdown for them. This is going to be like when they went into Edmonton and played terribly and almost lost to the Elks if it weren't for the Elks. Uh, and I think Hamilton is is a better team. I just don't think – I think Hamilton – they need this. They absolutely need this Do you think Hamilton is a better team than Winnipeg? No, than Edmonton. Oh,
0: yes, yes. Okay.
1: And so I think, I think Winnipeg's going to play the way they did against Edmonton in Hamilton, but Hamilton will not throw the game away to the extent that Edmonton did. Hamilton needs it. Uh, Winnipeg's by far the better team. They're the best team in the league. And I don't think it's even close. And Hamilton's going to beat them this week.
0: Hmm. Uh, That is an interesting, um, that is an interesting setup or, you know, um, Game because Winnipeg uh, has not been great traveling to the East. They still get it done, but but for sure, they've had some close calls. But I am not going to pick against Winnipeg. Winnipeg's heading into the bye. I don't think they want to go into that bye. They've shown no uh, sort of standard up and down. They've been able to recover. They've been able to beat teams two weeks in a row. I think they... They go in, and you know I don't know how much strength Dane Evans has in his arm. Uh, I, I think Winnipeg goes in there and uh, and beats Hamilton.
1: And the last one, BC at Calgary. I'm taking BC. I I think the Calgary team is beatable. I'm I'm still not sold on Mayor. I I like him, but he's still very young, very new to the CFL. And I, I don't know, I, I thought, I think there have been some dicey moments with him and not not any warning signs or anything. I think he's definitely the quarterback of the future. I would be very comfortable going with him next season if I were Calgary. I do think they made the right choice, uh, you know, looking back at it and replacing Bully mitchell with him. But, I, you know, he's not a sure thing. And that Calgary team is very good, but I think there's also vulnerability there. If BC is able to have any kind of chemistry between Vernon Adams and, and the receiving core they've got there. They can put up points and they're a tough team to hang with when they're getting good quarterback play. I just think the BC might catch them uh, napping a little bit. So BC for the win. Yeah,
0: is what I say to BC. You know, I, I think it's too bad. You guys look great and you beat the doors off us and you had the creation of a Canadian icon. You know, that's a bit of a roller coaster ride for our, our Lion fans out there. And uh, I think that they do not <laughs> beat Calgary. I have come around on Calgary. I think Calgary is quite good, and uh, I don't think BC has it. Sorry, BC. I hope, you, I hope you savored those early season wins.
1: Well, that will just about do it for us on this bi-week edition of the X's and Argos podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you get a chance, please do rate review, subscribe. Uh, that helps other Argos fans find us and let Argos fans who don't currently listen to us know that they should be listening to the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you.